Well, hello there. This is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us for this episode for Sunday, July 31st, 2022. It's entitled, Telling Time for Beginners, The Signs of the Times. Well, in Telling Time for Beginners, if you've just joined us, this will bring you up to speed pretty quickly. If not, you can listen to the previous episodes. But Telling Time for Beginners is sort of like a spiritual clock. It's like a long view, and okay, you've guessed it, I'm the king of mixed metaphors, the sultan of symbolism. (laughs) When you think about telling time for beginners and how to understand the flow of history, you have to have the long view. I mean the long view in terms of realizing there's an eternity past that we cannot know about, and there's an eternity future which we can learn a lot about. Now, not to get bogged down too much in the great details, I'm going to give you 19 minute marks on this spiritual clock that we're talking about. Or if you want to have a, another metaphor, you can think of this as a road trip and 19 signs. Anyway, the question is, is it almost time? Are we there yet? Well, let's take a look at these 19 indicators. Number one is heaven. Heaven existed eternally before we ever heard about it. At some point, there was creation of the angels and of the universe and, of course, of the earth and man. But anyway, the first minute mark or the first signpost, either way, is heaven. Then creation is number two. And this is just the way I would number them. Number three is rebellion. That would be when Lucifer, who was created apparently to be the highest angel, and he was created by God. So this means the Lord Jesus Christ created him Okay, he wasn't equal to Christ at all. He was a creature of Christ who is, of course, creator God. So we have heaven, creation, the rebellion when Lucifer was filled with pride and rebelled, and of course, he was cast to the earth. Now, at some point, the earth had been created, and Adam and Eve, who were two real, literal individuals, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the earth. Then we have the garden on the earth, the Garden of Eden. We have, of course, within that, the fall of man. I didn't make that one of the points. So we have heaven, creation, rebellion, earth, garden. And, of course, after Adam and Eve fell, they were promised that the Messiah would come. This is as early as Genesis chapter 3. So immediately they're promised a redeemer, a deliverer, to bring them out of their fallen condition. So we've got heaven, creation, the rebellion, earth, the garden, Messiah. Then we have Israel because Israel was created when Abraham was called. And then, of course, fully... Uh, 
fully evident, obviously, when Jacob was, uh, his name was changed to Israel, of course, the 12 tribes, all of that. So we've got heaven, creation, rebellion, earth, garden, Messiah, Israel, and then Israel had to be in the land of Israel, of course. Why? Because God was trying to point very definitely to who the Messiah is, all right? So he wouldn't just be born in China or um, Brazil, probably didn't even exist then. Anyway, you get the idea. He would be born in the land of Israel. Then the very town he would be born in was given in the scriptures. That's Bethlehem. So of all the cities of the earth, they were all eliminated and it was pinpointed that he would be born one day in Bethlehem. So again, in just big, broad terms, there are obviously thousands of details I'm leaving out. Heaven, creation, rebellion, earth, garden, Messiah, Israel, the land, Bethlehem. Then this Messiah would die a sacrificial death. And of course, Jesus did that as the Lamb of God on the cross. So so the sacrificial death is predicted and occurs, and there would be a burial. He was buried in the cave tomb, and then there would be a resurrection. He would literally, physically, actually, really defeat death and live again. And he appeared for, did you know that he appeared for 40 days? After this, and over 500 people witnessed him in his resurrection. They ate with them, talked with them, taught them. They watched him ascend to heaven. So heaven, creation, rebellion, earth, garden, Messiah, Israel, land, Bethlehem, sacrificial death, burial, resurrection, and they saw his ascension from the Mount of Olives. Now hang on to that because that's going to come back in today's episode. Then we have the church. We're in what's called the church age right now. Then the rapture, tribulation, return, millennial kingdom, and eternal reign. So let me hit them all real quick without explanation. Heaven, creation, rebellion, earth, garden, Messiah, Israel, land, Bethlehem, sacrificial death, burial, resurrection, ascension, church, rapture, tribulation, return, millennial kingdom, eternal reign. Now, I've just given you 19 minute marks, or you could think of them as 19 road signs. So the question you should ask is, is it almost time? Are we there yet? Well, almost, we're near the end of, guess what? Out of 19, we're near the end of number 14, the church. The church age is drawing to a close. When will that happen, Pastor Ed? I I have no idea about that. But we are near the end of it without a doubt. We're near the end of number 14. And guess what? Number 15, the rapture where Christ comes in the air only and he takes the church home to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the church is removed from the earth as the bride of Christ, and then all-out war is declared on a Christ-rejecting planet. 
So we're near the end of number 14, and number 15 could occur at any time without a sign. And of course, that means that the church would be taken out first. As I said, yep, I am the king of mixed metaphors and definitely the sultan of symbolism. (laughs) But first, a word from our sponsor. Did you know that we have words from our sponsor on This Week in the Word? Well, we do, but it's not what you're thinking. I want to read to you what the Lord Jesus Christ said, who is my sponsor. How about you? I want to read to you what he said in Matthew 16, 1 through 3. Now listen carefully. Don't get lost in turning to it uh, in your Bible and looking it up online and all that. I want you to just listen. Just stop and listen. Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky but can ye not discern the signs of the times? That's what Jesus Christ asked. And he could ask that of you and me today. I like what General Douglas MacArthur said in World War II as he left the Philippines. He said to the Philippine people, I shall return. That's been verified and documented, by the way, for any doubters among you. That is exactly what he promised. I shall return. And you know what? He did. He came back and retook the Philippines from the Japanese. And the Philippines were very grateful for that. You know what? Jesus Christ says, I shall return. And if the general could do it, I know for sure the Lord Jesus Christ will do it. The return of Christ is a major Bible doctrine. His actual, physical, real return is promised in the scriptures as future prophecy, and he promised it himself, and his angels promised it. Did you know that two-thirds of Bible prophecy deal with the future return of Christ to this earth? That's what my memory tells me. Now, somebody may say, I looked it up, and it's actually a different amount. Hey, Here's what I want you to get out of the episode today. A whole lot of the Bible promises the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Now, this is after the trials, the death, the uh, on the crucifixion, on the cross, the burial, and after the resurrection on the third day, and after he had been with everyone Uh, the 500 anyway, for 40 days, all right? He's about to ascend from the Mount of Olives, literally, physically, right in front of all of them, back to heaven to await his return. This is what it says in Acts 1, 6 through 11. When they therefore were come together, 
they ask of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now basically for our, I'm a Gentile, I'm a non-Jew, and you may be as well, for our Gentile ears, Basically, they were asking him, uh, are you going to come back in the second coming? That's the way I hear it. But they're focused on the, the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. But I think that's essentially, they're talking, we're talking about the same thing, all right? Verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And you know what? That's exactly what the apostles did. That's what the church has done for nearly 2,000 years since then. But look at verse 9. This is why I picked this passage today to start with. And when he has spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Wow. I mean, right in front of them. Did you see what I just saw? Yes, 500 people witnessed this ascension. Okay. Uh, Paul tells us that in his writings that there were over... 500 that were still alive when he wrote about it that um, saw him in his resurrection. And I think he was talking about the ascension here. Verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now I want to make this point. I bet there were a lot of men standing around there at that point, and many of them probably had on white apparel. But there's something about these two that stands out. They were not ordinary men. These were angels. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So they saw him, I don't know how slow or how quickly, but they saw him rise, be received by a cloud into heaven. And these angels promise he's coming back again to the earth the same exact way. We even know from the prophets exactly where he's coming to. He's coming to touch down again from where he lifted off on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. Wow. So we see here, whether I'm right about how much a Bible prophecy predicts the future return of Christ. I, I may have been mixed up on that. It may be that two-thirds of Bible prophecy has already been fulfilled. I get a lot of these um, factoids mixed because I hear so much. But as I said, just massive amounts of prophecy 
predict the return literally, physically, actually of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. And these angels, I mean, they take like a, like a red marker and they underline this about 22 times. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. All right, so I want you to hang on to Acts 1, 6 to 11. Now, I don't want you to look up these verses I'm about to read either. You can write it down and read them later. I just want you to hear this, these couple of verses from the Old Testament, more than a couple passages, before I read something from the New Testament, okay? This is from the Old Testament prophet Daniel. Now, Daniel predicted this hundreds of years before Christ came to the earth. And from our vantage point in time, it would be about, uh, I think I'm right in saying about 2,500 years ago, these prophecies were given. So listen to this. Daniel 7, 13 to 14. Write that down and you can look it up later. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. So this, this one, the Son of Man, that's the Messiah, that's Jesus Christ, is presented before the Father, and he is given this kingdom, which will be completely unlike every single human kingdom there's ever been. It will never end. And he's coming back. So we see in that passage, though, in verse 13, it says, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Hang on to that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, now let me stop right there. All the world kingdoms there had been, the major kingdoms, were predicted before they came to power. That is a fact. It is indisputable that Daniel predicted that. And for the critics who argue against that, they need to catch up with modern research and they will shut their mouth <laughs> because this was predicted prior to these nations coming to power as, and they related to how they affected Israel. God's people, okay? That's important. And at the final last kingdom that is set up called the kingdom of the Antichrist, it'll be a, a um, like a conglomeration of all of these and it will be infinitely evil. And these kings that establish it 
ultimately are, are taken over and they, they actually give their power to the Antichrist. They follow his lead and he's indwelt literally by Satan. So it's a terrible time. But listen, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom <laughs> which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now, I want you to hang on to that, okay? Because the Jewish people, especially the religious leaders of the Jewish people, in broad terms, they understood this, these prophecies we just read. Without question, they understood what I just read. But they kind of didn't. They did and they didn't. I'm going to read from the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of them. And it's in Matthew 26, 59 to 64. Matthew 26, 59 to 64. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. So these are two liars, okay? Quite common in our day in legal terms. Verse 61 uh, let me go back to verse 60. But found none, yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, what they were talking about here is they were saying that he had said he would physically destroy Herod's temple and build it in three days. But that's not what the Lord Jesus Christ said or meant. He was saying about himself that uh, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And I think uh, John says, I believe it is, that he refers to his resurrection. He wasn't he wasn't talking about literally destroying Herod's temple, but that's what they were saying, all right? And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, Now what he's about to do is to put him under oath to his father. Okay, that's important. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God, that would be the one that Daniel predicted, that was promised to Adam and Eve. All right, are you with me now? You following me? So he, they, the uh, high priest puts him under oath. I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. 
Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So he alludes back right there to the passages we read a few moments ago from Daniel. So he is clearly verifying that he is the promised Messiah. He is the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he will return. And he even says, coming in the clouds of heaven. How clear can it be? For the people who say, Jesus never claimed to be God. They've never read their Bible. That's all I can say. Or they're lying. Jesus clearly claims to be God. Absolutely. Wow. Man, talk about signs of the times. You know, it's one thing for lost people to miss it, but for the church to miss the signs of the times, you know, like that, for example, how could the Jewish religious leadership miss what he was saying? It was clear as can be. But they still were blind and they still missed it, even willfully. But they were blind, blind, blind. But you know what? People today are blind about the signs of the times. And like I said, it's, it's one thing for lost people to not recognize the signs of the times. So maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. All right, we're not holding it against you too hard yet. And once I tell you about all of this, all your excuses are gone, right? But up to this point, maybe you're saying, what signs? About what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, just hang in there. But for, for people who claim to be Christians, even worse than that, for people who are claim, claim not only to be Christians, but who are allegedly pastors in Christian churches, for them not to recognize the signs of the times blows my mind. And Jesus pointed that out. <laughs> it's the very first passage we read. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. You know, they would literally say that. People say that today. Like, hey, it looks like it's going to be a uh, good evening, you know. This is, this is going to be great, you know, because the sky looks all right. Look at that sunset. Isn't that great? Yeah. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky. It's like you can, you can tell the weather. You can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Unbelievable. All right, I'm wrapping this up, so I want you to listen tight here. I'm going to give you three signs of the times that ought to be so clear to everyone, especially people who say they're Christians, especially pastors. But most pastors today seem to be completely blind to what we're seeing in the times in which we live. All right, here's signs of the time number one, the disregard of the doomed. You know, in the army, among the airborne, they have a saying, first to go, last to know. And that's true. <laughs> Whenever anything breaks out, as far as large groups of the army, 
Airborne is first to go and last to know. I mean, they'll, they got to be out of here yesterday and they'll be told as late as possible. You know, first to go, last to know. All right. So a sign of the time, number one, is a disregard of the doomed. Look in Luke 17, 26 to 30. Now, if you, again, if you can't find it, write the verse down. Luke 17, 26 to 30. This is Jesus speaking. So there's zero doubt that this is, <laughs> this is exactly the truth. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So he says, like it was in the days right before that cataclysmic flood that destroyed everyone but eight people on planet Earth, literally. And by the way, the geological evidence for this is overwhelming unless you are willfully blind. So he said, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. That's him, his return. All right, so the question is, well, what was it like then? Well, we know the world was very evil, extremely evil. And that's why God sent the flood, which was, although it was bad for those people at the time, it was an act of mercy because if if Noah and his family, the last eight people who l knew the Lord, you know, I mean, this is getting serious. And God, this is a great rescue, part of the great rescue mission. All right, but anyway, verse 27. So what was it like? in the days of Noah, right before the judgment of the flood. This is what Jesus said. And by the way, he saw all of this. He's God. They did eat, they drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, what he's telling us here is that Noah, who is a preacher of righteousness, according to the Bible, warned the lost world of his day of the impending judgment of the flood, and they just blew him off. They mocked him. They ignored him. They said, yeah, Noah, you know, we want to be your friend, but we don't want to hear about that, all right? And uh, they opposed him and just basically just like disregarded it. And they were the doomed, but they didn't know that. And it's just complete disregard. Not only was the world completely evil by that point, but they also just disregarded the preaching of Noah. You know how long they disregarded it? It took him 120 years to build the ark. 120 years God waited before the, he lowered the hammer of the flood on them, giving them opportunity after opportunity to repent. And Jesus says, until the very day that Noah entered into the ark, they were just going about their evil life, just like nothing was happening. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. Now this was Sodom and Gomorrah, which were given over to homosexuality. And 
Lot was there, and in some strange way, I guess he was a witness, although he was a terrible follower of the Lord, but he belonged to the Lord. He's a lot like people today. Likewise, by the way, did you know that Sodom and Gomorrah has been found? And the, the geology that they're finding there is exactly what you would expect to find if this really happened, and it really happened, what I'm about to read. I mean, the, the site backs it up. And you can research that. You can find it. It's easy. Check it out. Verse 28. 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. That sounds like normal life today, right? Except it was an exceedingly wicked set of cities there. Verse 29. But the same day. Are you seeing a pattern here? until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And in here it says, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. No warning. And yet they had, they had been warned. Verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When Jesus Christ returns first in the rapture, which is really not the return because he doesn't come to the earth, but he comes in the air and takes his bride home for the wedding supper of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation, the book of the Revelation. And then the tribulation unfolds on the earth. And at the end of that is what we would strictly call the return of Christ to the Mount of Olives on the east of Jerusalem to take over. The, the world is just like largely ignorant. And it seems like, how can this be? But it was that way regarding the flood and Noah and Lot and the fire and brimstone that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Peter who was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He witnessed him as resurrected and he saw him as sin. Peter writes in 2 Peter 2, verses 4 to 9. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, these were uh, not, not all of the demons were, this, this didn't happen to all of the demons, but some of the demons and you can read about that in uh, what they did in Genesis 6, I believe it is. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved under judgment. So the angels that were involved in what we read about in Genesis 6, cohabiting with women, you can read that there, those angels, those demons, were locked up. Verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example 
unto those that after should live ungodly. It's like, hello, you know, what a warning, right? Verse seven, and deliver just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation, and that means the filthy way of living, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Verse 9, here's where he sums all this up. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So Peter says, wake up, people. Amen, that's a sign of the time. And yet the doom, just disregard it. That's a sign of the times, my friend. Here's another one, sign of the time number two, the derision of the doomed. You know, they don't just disregard these warnings. They actually mock and deride those who try to tell them the truth, like me and many others. 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 15. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So he says here (laughs) that in the last days there were people who who mock or deride, they scoff at these warnings from God. He says they walk after their own lusts and, and they say, oh yeah, so, so where is this Jesus? You know, it's been 2,000 years. He hasn't come back yet. When's he coming back? You know, that kind of thing. For since the fathers fell asleep, that is since all these ancient, you know, ancestors before them died, all things continue as they were, from the beginning of creation. Now, is that true? Has, you know, the world was created and everything's been hunky-dory from the day it was created until now? No, that's not true, but that's, that's what they want people to believe. Verse five, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. He's talking about the flood. There's been a massive cataclysm in the world's history in between the creation and now, and that was a flood that came from which Noah and his family were rescued, but the entire you know, uh, people and land animals were destroyed. Wow, except, of course, the gene pool that Noah was instructed to preserve, right? (laughs) This is amazing. Verse seven, but the heavens and the earth 
which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, that is, he has great patience, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, will they? No, all won't, but God wills, he wishes that they would, and the the long-suffering is the time God gives humanity to repent and turn to him before final judgment falls. You know, this week I viewed a YouTube video by a scientist, and the question of the YouTube was, is the, is the past still, does it still exist? Like things that happened a thousand years ago, are they still in existence? And it's like a physics question. And this lady did a marvelous job of explaining all of this, but then I realized, boy, if this is what science is, I can't follow the science. It was deep. And basically, she explained why the past still exists. (laughs) It's all a matter of perspective and physics and Einstein and, whoa, man. Uh, But it was fun, anyway, listening to it. But you know what? I don't know about all that, but I can tell you this. Like we think Jesus has been gone 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. With God, it's like, that's a couple of days ago. What's the big deal? Right? <laughs> and time, uh, one day, the way we think of it, won't exist in the same way. But listen, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you know what? That, that includes you if you've not yet turned to Christ. You are still alive today because of the mercy and grace of the Lord, that you would have every opportunity to turn to Jesus. You should do that today if you've never done that. That would be a great thing to do. Here's a sign of the time number three, the destruction of the doomed. So still reading and in 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to verse 10 now. The destruction of the doom. But the day of the Lord will come. It's that day that's predicted, right? It's, it's going to happen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens 
shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, a holy lifestyle and a godly lifestyle. I mean, that's how it should affect the Christian. And it should make the person who's not yet a Christian want to know Jesus before it's too late. Verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. You know, in light of all of that, it it affects the way we live. And yet today, so many people who profess to be Christians are completely uh, ignorant of and clueless about the return of the Lord and this day of reckoning that's predicted. And the lost world is definitely unaware, just like the people in Noah's day and to the very day that Noah went into the ark. They were just carrying on like life is normal on evil planet Earth. And the this, this same with Sodom and Gomorrah, the day Lot was taken out of there by the angels. Their evil lies were still going on like they have been going on probably for hundreds of years. And boom, judgment fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment fell on the world at the flood. And it will happen the same way when the Lord returns. But he doesn't want you to be caught up in that. He wants you to be saved. Amen. Verse 13 in 2 Peter chapter 3. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Righteousness will be at home there, baby. It's gonna be great. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, if people say, well, he hasn't come back for 2,000 years and he didn't come back last month and he probably won't come back this month and whatever they want to say. Hey, just know that for every day the Lord hasn't returned is one more day that people who don't know him can be delivered from the wrath to come. Amen. And I close with this verse from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He's coming. He's going to come. He will be here. It will happen. But if you delay returning to Christ, or turning to Christ, rather, and becoming his and being saved, 
then it will catch you unaware and it will be too late, just like it was for Noah's neighbors when the flood came and for Lot's neighbors when fire and brimstone fell in one day on Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, listen, I want you to write a phone number down, 877-247-2426, I want you to know today that if you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, for real, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. You don't have to worry anymore. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell with him, I might add, what a bummer, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. Some of you may want to go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. Hey, listen, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But listen to this, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, I thank you for stopping by today and staying with us all the way through this. I hope that if you're not a Christian yet, that this is the day that you will turn from your sin and turn to your Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian and you're growing weary, stop. We're getting so close. It's so exciting. Hang in there. Jesus is coming. It'll be sooner than we could possibly know. And we have all of heaven and eternity before us. Amen. God bless you for listening today. Like the episode, follow the podcast, and share this podcast with someone right where you're listening right now. I'll see you next week if the Lord doesn't come first. Bye-bye.